Hello and welcome. This is your host, Josh Summers. You're listening to Everyday Sublime, the podcast where I endeavor to explore uh, integral, full-spectrum spirituality. And today, I want to get the pod off soon because we're here in Maine. We're anticipating some afternoon weather, possibly thunder showers. with There's even a talk about a tornado around, um, but likely power outages. So given the vulnerability of our house here, to having power outages, um, I want to get the pot off. And today's episode is, as the title suggests, Advice for Retreat, where I, I really try to give some salient, simple, best tips, best practices for um, having a fruitful retreat experience, whether you go to a retreat center like I've done at the Insight Meditation Society or a place like it, or whether you're trying to conduct a retreat, a self-retreat from home, which um, in many ways, in my experience, can be much more challenging than being in a group setting. So um, since in the Sangha we have, I know we, through, through communications, we've, we have students that are using some time during their August break to do some retreat, I wanted to give this advice. Um, and before I give the episode to you, I just want to say thank you to all members of the Riverbird Sangha. This podcast is an ad-free podcast, and it is supported or the podcast is really provided by your support. So uh, thanks to all the members for your support. And if you'd like to join the the, um, the Riverbird Sangha, an online community that Terry and I uh, facilitate and guide, where we combine our practices of yin yoga, qigong, um, theories of Chinese medicine, and the Buddha Dharma, the, the teachings of the Buddha. We bring all these together for an integral practice and as well as, I should say, insights from Western psychology. But um, we're very uh, honored to come, be coming up to our third year anniversary. So in September, just in a, about a month, a little over a month, we'll be celebrating our third year together. Um, so thank you to all the members. If you'd like to join, check out the link in the show notes. And without further ado, here's today's talk, Advice for Retreat. Okay, so welcome to our, our Monday session. As I sort of said, said earlier, the um, we're coming into the deep stretch of the summer, past the midway point of July. And um, this tends to be when people, their their attendance can get a little spottier or lighter for Sangha sessions. So the, those of you that are showing up, you know, have a special place in my heart as the the ardent core folks here that through thick or thin show up and arrive. And, and it's great to have you. Um, and as a brief update, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, over this weekend, uh, Terry flew from Maine down to Florida to um, meet up with her son, Blaine, and the two of them, and they're actually on the call right now, but the two of them are have been driving back from Florida. Blaine was down uh, training in baseball all summer, and uh, Terry's accompanying him on the, on the ride back, and um, that I've been hearing about the kind of the the marathon gruel of being on the road for eight to 11 hours a day, um, driving, uh, and, and, and just 
what what th- what that involves. Um, so, in some ways, the, the the reflection this morning, which I'll come to in a, in a moment, um, speaks to these kinds of endurance events. It, it speaks to the kind of um, challenges that come up when whenever we we find ourselves out of our normal rhythms or normal routines and and particularly even when we go on retreat um and uh so someone's messaging me i just want to say i don't really can't really uh process chat messages during the talk um so you can't hear me if you can't hear me i think can everyone else hear me okay yeah yeah so i think it might be on your end there yvonne um and so with 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 terry being on the road with her son um that has given me a a a rare weekend to myself um which you know depending on what your relationship to being with yourself is uh that might sound like oh what a wonderful opportunity you must be so um you must be capitalizing on it in some way this this alone time maybe a special self-retreat time um and i i just will share that for me uh being exclusively on my own in isolation is actually never has never been easy um it's it seems to have gotten somewhat easier over time i mean i mean over decades uh but um it can be it can be a real challenge and i remember um sometime during college uh, i had sort of internalized the idea that people who had the the ability to be by themselves and to sort of self-entertain if you will but people who had the ability to be with themselves who could um go deep into themselves in solitude that that there was a wisdom that these people possessed that i did not have um I, I had friends that seemed to be very capable of it and they just seemed to have a possession of wisdom that um was not did not feel it in any way that it was something that i i, I possessed um and at one point during my college career uh, during my time as a as a uh, student in ireland a fellow classmate from america an american um had her her parents had a, a, a small cottage in in the western part of uh county cork called so west cork and uh i ran into her once in a bookstore and I, we must have been talking about the the virtues of solitude <laughs> i must have brought this up as a, as a conversation in the bookstore and she said to me she said you know We've got this two-week break coming up. We have a two-week spring break, and I can just give you the keys to the cottage if you like. No one's going to be there. You can just go down to the cottage. And um, it seemed like just this this, this stroke 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 of luck that I would be able to have access to a space where I could uh, finally uh, plumb the depths of my solitude. You know, really encounter a kind of uh, wisdom that I had that had re- really been elusive to me. Um, up until that point. Oh, it's so good. Oh. And uh, we got some. We got some mic issues this day, this morning. It seems. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, I took the keys, 
I, I borrowed my the keys from my friend and I, this is back uh, pre cell phone days, pre internet days, really. And um, that, which meant I had a, a very lightly sketched, maybe four or five points of instructions on the back of a envelope on how to find the cabin or find the cottage. And it involved taking a you know, two and a half hour bus ride into the west of the of the county. Um, and I remember the bus dropped me off in the small town called Goline. Uh, the bus dropped me off at about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And uh, the sun was long since down. And, and I was told to walk a mile and a half out of the village on one road. And this was not a a lit road. There was no lights, uh, no lamps or anything. Um, so uh, there I am walking out of the village, mile and a half out of the village, uh, really into the into the darkness. And there was a sort of a forested section of the road. And somewhere in the middle of that forested section, um, I was told to look for a driveway on the left. <laughs> and of course, there were like five driveways on the left, um, none of which I could really see very well. But one of them uh, was what was was the driveway for this cottage. And um, once I, I kind of finally figured out which was the right cottage, or so I thought, um, I then had to find my key and 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 find my way in. But it, it, it definitely had this feeling of breaking into uh, a house that maybe I shouldn't be breaking into. And once I I, I realized that it was the correct cottage that I could identify the correct cottage by virtue of the key working. <laughs> so it's like, once the key worked, I'm like, okay, this has got to be the place. Um, and when I got in there, I immediately reached for the light socket or the light switch and tried to flip the lights on. And the first one uh, produced nothing. There was no light that came. And I thought, uh-oh, what do I do here? Um, and I sort of, so I'm stumbling around the, the house in darkness and, and feeling the walls and looking for more light, light switches, none of which were working. I've realized I got to improvise here. And what do I do? I don't, I'm not sure. But in my fumbling, I found on a bookcase some candles and some matches. It's, it's just one of these things. So next thing I know, I'm lighting a match and then following uh, with, with a candle flame, I'm, I'm walking around the house looking for the circuit breaker, seeing if I can... Maybe the circuit breaker was off. Long story short, it, that's what it was. I found the circuit breaker. I got power on. So I was then set to settle into my two weeks of solitude. And um, and I won't go on anymore but, about this, but it, it's enough to say that within two days of being there um, and being terrified by every scratch of a branch against the window pane, Every uh, gale of wind that came over from the coast that that blew against the windows, um, these noises were rattling me, and I was having a really hard time just being there. And I I brought two books with me, and in two days, those books were completely read. Um, I was at the time I was knitting a scarf, and the scarf that I was knitting was completely finished in two days. And um, I just was having a, a real hell of a time just being alone. Um, so I wanted to share that because several of you, or at least a few of you, are embarking on a meditation retreat this around this this time. Um, 
I think in, in August, a few of you have, have set up some time to be on retreat, whether it's going to a retreat center or doing maybe an online retreat from home. And I wanted to uh, speak to maybe what we could call advice for people going on retreat, which is really not different from advice for people practicing at home anyway, or just your daily practice. But having done retreats now, and um, I guess what I, my point here is that having done retreats now for many years, um, and now facing a weekend by myself in Terry's absence while she's accompanying her son, I came into this weekend with a fair amount of uh, trepidation and even some anxiety, just remembering how difficult it was for me to be by myself when I was at various other points in my life, particularly this one in, in Ireland. Um, so I, I was really thinking, okay, what, what advice would I give to myself for being alone? Uh, because in a way, when you go on a retreat, when anyone uh, attends a silent retreat, that's just what the whole structure of retreats about. It's this, it's this uh, s- special opportunity, a special set of conditions that support the ability to, to be fully within oneself, to be, um, in a sense, fully self-reliant and to maybe see and understand oneself in a new and or deeper, direct, more direct way. Um, so I was thinking about some of you going on retreat, thinking about myself this weekend, um, what would be advice I'd give myself. And I came up with, you know, three bullet points or three primary uh, bits of advice that I wanted to impart. And each of these points could be a mini kind of etude, you know, a, a mini form of practice that that you could take on exclusively. So you don't have to clump all or clump all of these three together. Um, you could take one, just focus on it for a while. But uh, the first, uh, the first thing I should say is uh, all discussions of cushions aside. So you know your physical posture and like what kind of cushion or bench you're going to use, or you're going to sit in a chair. All of that discussion aside, here's here are the three bits of advice that I would really um, recommend. The first is related to the schedule, related to the, the, the schedule or a schedule. And the, the advice I have on this comes from the marketing uh, campaign for a, a slow cooker, you know, those, those big electric cookers that cook food for many hours slowly. Um, I got into slow cooking several years ago, and the motto of one brand was set it and forget it. So you set the food up, you press on, it cooks low and slowly for many hours. You can set it and forget it. And I, back then I used to love, um, you know, before going to work, putting the food together into the slow cooker, setting it, going to work for eight hours, coming home and having a hot meal ready for me. So you can set it and forget it. So regarding the schedule, um, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this one to set it and forget it, it's because, and I saw this myself over the weekend, without a clear schedule, without a, um, a sort of a set schedule, it's very easy for the mind to get wrapped up in planning, period, <laughs> just planning, 
and or planning alternative things you could do. So there's, there, you know, in the in the wide open space of just being by yourself or being on retreat by yourself or with others, um, the you will hear and have plenty of opportunity to hear the 10,000 ways uh, your mind thinks or, or will think if I just did that, that might be, that might be good. That's a good idea. Uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that so much. I, I should do more of this and it, it can go on and just proliferate like that for quite some time. Um, hatching better alternatives, what things you could do, you should do um, better ways of doing it. Um, and there really is a freedom that starts to come when uh, a practitioner, particularly on a retreat, settles into a uh, a simplicity of a schedule, which is essentially, you know, another way of saying this is um, to monotask in a hardcore way, <laughs> to be a hardcore monotasker, to, in a sense, time block what what your day is. And when you're at a block of time, whether it's a sitting or a walking period or a work period or an eating period, to just surrender to the activity of that period. And so this morning, we're going to meditate together. And uh, in, to, in that, to that end, I would recommend just letting your mind be um, content, letting your mind incline towards contentment with just the immediacy of what's happening in this period of time. And sort of attendant to that or, or connected to that, I, uh, as much as I, I can, I, I like to explore what it's like to drop time, to drop time. So this would fit under the schedule. When you externalize the schedule, when you get the schedule out of your head, you write it down or you put it on a cork board or somewhere where you can, you can reference later, when you get the schedule off your head and, you, and the worry about what you're going to do next, what you should be doing, when you when you take those worries off your your plate, it allows your mind to drop the incessant push and pull of the perception of time. How much time do I have left? How much longer is in the sitting? What am I going to? How am I going to not waste this moment? <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, time can really be a, an agitating. Um, condition in the mind and to 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 explore particularly in a retreat in uh, setting to explore what it's like to to drop the time to just to drop the perception of time and how that it can really squeeze and push the mind so even for um for terry and her son in the car right now on a sort of seemingly endless drive and i know this for myself in long drives What's it like to just drive without the perception of time? And when are you going to get there? When? How much are you going to save time or make time? All of those 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 thoughts to so just let them be put aside, be put aside, and come into um, a more immediate connection with with say the timeless present. So that's one one piece of advice. I just want to loosely suggest. Set a schedule, or if the schedule is set for you, so like just follow the schedule. Set the, set the schedule and forget it. Um, and that really does cut down on a lot of wiggle room of 
should I do this? Should I do that? Or, you know, or maybe I'll, and I'll squeeze this in here. And, um, you know, related to this, there's a, there's something I've heard from folks that have retired. Um, I remember Jack Engler, when he retired or provisionally retired, uh, he shared with me that he was never more busy than in his retirement. <laughs> and, and that's this speaks to that. So, like a retreat is a little a little bit of a retirement from our normal life. And if we're not careful, we can populate the day on a retreat with all sorts of things we we're supposed to we think we're supposed to do. Um, and and so that's that's this is where this piece of advice of just setting it and forgetting it comes in. Trust the schedule and and drop time. The second uh, bit of advice uh, I wrote down as kiss each moment kiss each moment and the kiss there stands for the acronym keep it simple silly <laughs> sometimes it, though i learned it with a, a word that my niece doesn't let me use if i use the word stupid she says you're not supposed to use that word so keep it simple silly um and that is is connected to the first point um but it primarily refers to the, I would say, the essential instruction of mindfulness practice, which uh, can get voiced in or, or, or phrased in different ways. But um, when I interviewed, I've shared this with you, Joseph Goldstein defined the essence of the practice as being aware of what's happening moment to moment without grasping. So that would be a form of keeping it simple. Be aware of what's arising moment to moment without grasping. His teacher and, and one of my teachers, Upandita, the advice Upandita gave was, in his, in his language, he said, the only job of the yogi is to be aware of what's arising in any given moment. So that does, you know, this related to this instruction um, is sort of the expectation that some people might come into a retreat with, and in some ways, what many people who haven't done a retreat think what a retreat is about. And that is that, um, you know, we're, we're coming into August. August tends to be holiday season for people, take, people take vacations. And if you've ever done a retreat around now or a retreat in general, and you tell your colleagues or your friends that you're going on a retreat, they often might articulate or may say something like, well, I hope you have a nice vacation. <laughs> and, you know, this is just, this is, this is a statement born of ignorance. Someone not having any clue what a retreat is actually like, because um, while it is time away from normal life, it's certainly not uh, the normal uh, sense of a vacation in which the person vacationing is usually seeking pleasures of one material form or another as a form of um, living the good life, if you will. And on retreat, uh, rather than seeking pleasures, rather than um, you know, certainly opening your wallet to buy pleasures, there's an opportunity to explore a pleasure that comes 
from not seeking pleasures. There's a pleasure that arises that's not um, sensory based. It's not predicated on getting a pleasant sensation or a pleasant feeling in the body. It's not predicated on getting rid of unpleasant things. There's um, there's a there's a pleasure of being that is uh, uncovered over time, that is not born of getting or getting rid of, and um, and so the instruction to keep it simple allows, uh, I think, allows the practitioner to become very clear about when a strategy for happiness hatches that says, if I can just get that, then, if I can just get rid of that, then. When you really watch your mind up close and personal in a moment-to-moment way, keeping it simple, you will, as I have seen, and I think many others here have seen, but you will see over and over again how your mind hatches a plan. You know, and, and particularly in retreats, you know, I, 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 you get a very vivid sense of this, a very, very sharp sense of this, but it might be, you know, for me, things like if I just get an extra walk in after lunch, or if I just get my nap in after lunch, or if I just get a second cup of tea after lunch, or if I, um, you know, do yoga for 45 minutes before the morning sitting, if I, if I just play with the dials of what I'm doing enough, then I'll, I'll have the, the, the retreat that I signed up for. You have to be wary, be wary of the retreat that you sign up for. Um, so keeping it simple. And then the third bit of advice that I I I, I received, and I, I would say it it was advice that I did not warm to initially. It was advice that I didn't really take up initially. But the advice was to work particularly closely with negative experiences particularly negative feelings to to in a sense try to capture and be aware of when negativity was occurring not to try to get rid of it but to be aware of it so that the negative state wasn't defining how i was the negative state wasn't pushing me around and determining how i felt that the moment a practitioner or the moment I am able to be aware that I'm experiencing something unpleasant, like extreme restlessness or extreme discomfort or extreme irritation or extreme annoyance or extreme even anger to the degree that I can be aware of it. Then um, the, the, the feeling and the mind state and the thoughts that come with it can be seen as a, a, a passing pattern of weather, a pattern of weather that's present, um, but it need not be the defining uh, statement about who and what I am when I can be aware of it. And so the, 
maybe the the, the practical advice or the, the practice oriented advice that comes with working with a negative is are the three words that one of my teachers, Rodney Smith, always uh, shared with his teaching, which were relax, observe, and allow. That um, when there's a difficulty, we can train ourselves. We can incline around the intention to relax within the difficulty, to observe it, and to allow it not as a way of indulging it or repressing it, but just creating the conditions within ourselves so that we can observe the weather nature, the weather pattern nature of the feeling, the thoughts, the mind state, the mood, all of it that may be, may, may be turning up. Because it's, again, the, the um, often the negativity that will... Uh, Maybe this is the clearest way to say it. When we experience something that we we uh, perceive as negative, the negative experience is going to be the thing that activates the parts of the mind that are going to try to look for a better option. They're going to look for the escape hatch. And that escape hatch could be, as we heard a few weeks ago, a different cushion. <laughs> Escape hatch could be a different activity during that period of time. You know, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been meditating on my cushion, fantasizing about walking meditation, just slowly walking back and forth. And then while I'm walking, doing the walking meditation, I'm fantasizing about sitting on my cushion or, you know, doing yoga, just doing something else. And a lot, and and the more I uh, investigated in what was going on when those those fantasies for another activity were coming up, um, the more I could see that there was some feeling in me that I didn't like, and it, it wasn't even necessarily a feeling that has any had any narrative to it or storyline. It was sort of a, a a storyless feeling of discomfort, ache, maybe even some some nausea or anxiety but there's just some feeling that i didn't like that would propel me to seek an exit to seek an exit and um so as a, as a, in, a, in a way if we put all these together of just relaxing into a schedule trusting the schedule dropping time within the schedule so that while we're practicing, we're able to open to each moment freshly, to kiss each moment freshly. So letting fresh awareness intimately come in contact with each moment, keeping it simple. And then in really watching what's happening moment to moment, capturing as and when something negative arises, a negative feeling, a negative thought, a negative uh, mood, and using the experience of the negative as a, a way to really watch the behavior of the mind's expectations, the mind's strategies for peace or happiness. And whether it's a sitting like what we're about to do now, whether you know we sit for 25 minutes together, whether it's a day-long retreat, 
that you might do from home, whether it's a week-long retreat, either at home or in a, at, a, at a retreat center. When What I've seen is when I watch my mind like this, and when I really see the 10,000 ways I'm seeking an exit, I'm looking for an exit strategy. I become aware of the exit strategy, like the hope, the wish for the exit strategy. And I see it, and I just let it be. It's, it's in that, in a way, surrender to wanting an exit that something else starts to open up. When the mind is no longer grasping after an exit for something, an exit getting away from something, when the mind stops grasping, that's when a, a, a dimension of peace already in one's being becomes palpable. So it's not that, and that's, that's the heart of the practice, is that it's, it's not about rearranging the furniture of your life or rearranging the, even the conditions of your life <clears throat> to find peace. Finding peace comes, <clears throat> is discovered when the mind is freed of its own strategies for getting something else. And it, and, it, and it can be that simple. And so the the retreat itself, whether it's a day again or a week, is an opportunity to test that hypothesis. To test that hypothesis. Uh, I think that many of the world's wisdom traditions, whether it's in more of a tr- formal form uh, articulation of a, of a wisdom religion or a spiritual tradition, they 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 seem to all agree on um, a very fundamental thing that peace and happiness are real things, but they exist independently of all conditions. And that the, they, they, they also lie, another way of saying it, they lie within. They're already here in your heart. Peace, well-being, love, clarity. But they get... Uh, they're, they get obstructed or covered over by the 10,000 programs for peace and happiness that are tied up in getting and getting rid of. So we're going to sit now. We're going to come to a meditation. And I want to just review these three points in the meditation uh, before we enter it. Uh, When you sit, explore from time to time today. What is it? See if you can sense what is it like when a perception of time starts to take root. How much longer? How much time has it been? Is it the beginning of the meditation? Is it the end of the meditation? Where are we in the meditation? Just notice how time may push on you a little bit or or come into your practice and explore what's it like just to trust that, oh, Josh is, he doesn't always do it perfectly, but Josh is going to end the meditation when it's over. And I don't have to worry about the time. So I can let go of time. And then in letting go of time, uh, what is it like to kiss each moment? 
and and I don't mean that in any kind of like sexually intimate kiss. I I, I mean it as a more intimate uh, connection between your awareness and the pure, raw, immediate simplicity of what you're what you're experiencing: sensations, sounds, thoughts, feelings, all of it. And especially then, from from really keeping things simple. Be open to what is negative at times. You know, it, you're, you're, this isn't to say that your experience will always be um, a, a, a nonstop chain of misery of just unpleasant negative things as, while you're practicing. But inevitably, there's some shade of negativity, negative experience that will come up, difficult experience. Use that as an opportunity to look more closely. What's really going on when you experience a difficult feeling? What's really going on when you experience a difficult thought or notice a difficult mood or a, a, a difficult mind state? Be aware of the, the negative. Relax, observe, allow it, and see what kind of transformation or change occurs in your relationship to the negative solely by virtue of being aware of it without having to do anything about it without having to do anything just to what what trans what transpires simply by being aware of something difficult and whether it's a, in the meditation now or in a day of practice or in a, a week of practice um, if you're able to, if you got nothing else out of the practice, if you just apply these these three points, um, my prediction is that you would have a very fruitful, very fruitful retreat. So that's those are my best bits of advice for anyone going on retreat or practicing in, in daily life, um, uh, which in a way, I, I should just say, your daily life is not different from what life on retreat is. It's just that on a retreat, you have more chances to practice each and everything you're doing. So thank you for your attention now. And um, let's come together for a sitting. Okay, as I, as I tried to say there in the talk, um, you know, the advice for retreat is really advice, good advice for home practice daily practice, everyday practice. Um, I've been really thinking about this all week, how just setting a good schedule and, and staying with it, whatever you're doing in the schedule, just to do what the activity that is slotted on the schedule um, is telling you to do. Um, or as I said to one uh, friend of mine, how to be a, a really good monotasker. Anyway, I hope uh, some of the reflections in this talk support you in your practice. And if you'd like to join me and Terry and join our vibrant online community of yin yoga, qigong meditation practitioners in the Riverbird Sangha, do check out the show notes. Your membership is a support to yourself for having more access to uh, support and consistency in your practice. Um, it's also a support to us and it supports our livelihood and supports this this podcast to remain ad-free and as I try to say a, a more quiet space on the web I'm trying to have a quiet podcast so 
as I quietly fade out, I wish you my best. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope your practice is going well. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Stay safe, take good care, keep practicing, and I send you all my best.